Blog Talk Radio. Presenting yourselves on this battlefield. I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh! The English are too many. Now, I think we're simulcasting here with Saving Fatherhood here. I'm not 100% sure on that because he decided to email me the link to the show. I didn't know this. So let's see if we are live here with Saving Fatherhood. I don't know. I don't see the uh, – I'm not in the studio. I'm not sure. I don't know. I can't hear him. Let me see. Let me go to his regular page here. Oh, man. See if he's on here. There he is. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Saving Fatherhood. Joe, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hi, brothers. And Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I hope you had a great holiday. I know um, I know that uh, it's important to you as it is to me. And what we're going to do is I'm going to start out with some prayer here. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for being with us tonight. As, um, as two or more gather in your name, you are with us. And we're just praying for all the alienated parents out there. Pray that the things we talk about tonight would help someone, that someone would be uh, given a way to uh, get access to their kids or, um, you know, defend themselves uh, in, the, in the wicked and horrible family court system. We thank you for Larry coming out here tonight. Pray a blessing upon him and his family as they are, um, uh, are, are together tonight. And I won't go into that, but Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Larry, here we are. We're in Saving Fatherhood. Let's talk about this really great video you put out four to six weeks ago. When did you put that out? Uh, we're, off the top of my head, I don't remember because I'm doing one a week, and they're all starting to blend together. Back in September 2019, I had the pleasure to meet a great um, group of experts. The group is called Parental Alienation Study Group. I introduced myself to an attorney and a content creator. I and they gave me permission. I could do great videos. To so they gave me permission to power play a PowerPoint presentation that they, they had. Oh, got a little bit of backlash here. To fight misinformation of parental alienation and get the word out, not just among the academic circles, but to uh, all the moms and pops as well. Well, you're doing a great job. You are putting out a lot of content. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is called the Law Center, and um, the, the YouTube link for that is youtube.com slash the Law Center, correct, Larry? That's no, right. you know what? That, it, it's some stupid little code, but if you type in the Law Center in the search in the search thing, add my last name, DeMarco, somewhere in there, I'll come right up. Oh, really? You, well, you've got, I think you've got 750 or so people on there. You can uh, You can change that that code at the end there. I'll help you with that if you need help. But uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great information source. And you've got all those little cartoons. So we're not sitting there looking at, uh, you know, just type pages of type. That's <laughs> really good. I appreciate it anyway. So the last video you did that we want to talk about tonight was alter was about seeking alternatives to the family court. How do we litigate and solve our problems that we're taking to the family court. And, and one of the questions I asked you previously, and I loved your answer to, I asked you, why, why don't we just go right to the civil court instead of the family court, especially when we have these kinds of cases? First of all, you're allowed to, but a judge or arbitration panel is likely to dismiss the case and say, we don't want to hear this. This belongs in family court. The court's, are set up for domestic relations issues to be heard, mm-hmm. family law matters to be heard in family court. And this is as the uh, even the author of the video, the one, the one who wrote the script, would say these are alternatives to family court. And even if you lose in family court, you're not then barred to pursue one of these claims. But you're really requiring an old-fashioned, old-school, traditional set of stuffy old lawyers and suits in an arbitration room or judges to think outside the box because you're thinking outside the box and bringing a claim like this. So uh, I recommend that you keep this always in the back of your mind. And even if you have a lawyer, set it up and give a warning to the opposing attorney, we will enforce all rights under the law after noti- after putting down notice that, hey, this is a parental alienation situation going on. My children are being turned against me, and we will pursue all avenues at our disposal. So this is the second. My advice, or I think the way that this is designed, is an alternative. It's not the primary way to go. There's a limitation, Joe. These cases, these suing someone, for being wronged, and it's called tort, like the lawyer fancy word, but you're only suing for money. But really what you want is your kids. Right. So you don't go first because you don't have necessarily, you don't have an injury yet. You're hoping to stop the injury. So you don't want to say, hey, I'm going to sue you, the mother or the father of my child. We're co-parents, but I'm going to sue you. You actually poison the well if, if, if that's in your mindset. So this is a second choice a in emergency circumstances very rare limited circumstances which we can get to in more detail later. yeah it's, it's interesting so i remember in my 13-day trial i was pro se litigant and i i for various reasons but i was trying to negotiate with the opposing attorney on the amount of support and the amount of access to my child 
And I was told that that was unethical. I said, what the heck? How do you think? How, why was that unethical? Is there some thinking behind that? Because I really don't understand the logic behind that. I'm not sure what you mean by what is unethical. What a lawyer might say is that it's unethical for me to talk to you unless you have a lawyer, or I'm a lawyer, it's not ethical for me to give you legal advice. But as you stated it, again, I wasn't there for the circumstances. I'm sure it's been a little time. I don't know what he's necessarily, I can't speak to what he was thinking. Yeah. He said something that's otherwise inexplainable, but often yeah. there's different circumstances going on that he might be thinking about that you might not have been aware of. So, Well, just for the audience's sake, one of the things I like about Larry is he is not a family law attorney. <laughs> he's, a, he's a personal injury attorney. But he has a heart for uh, people struggling with issues in the family court and uh, has been, you know, just really great in, in, in making these videos. So let me let's I, I highlighted all the issues that um, were that we're going to talk about tonight. So people, you know, if we didn't get to one of these, you know, come back to us, come back to me. Uh, let be glad to talk to you about these things. So the things that um, you can try and get. Uh, damages for include parental alienation or in, in the one case more specifically alienation of affection intentional infliction of emotional distress um, parental alienation where the children refuse to have contact with one's parent uh, there uh, you know someone disappeared um, you know we have another another case where they violated the order the custody order so there was uh, so the broken law was interference with custody. Uh, another case where there was a, a role was interference with the father's custody. Uh, I think the mother actually took off on a jet and went overseas. Then you've got um, custodial rights violated again, and then kidnapping, of course, is always something you can. But you know, it seems like that should be criminal, right? But you know, they went for it in the civil court. Interference with custody and intentional infliction of emotional distress and conspiracy. Um, then we get into some interesting things that really would be solved, in my opinion, with, um, you know, better getting rid of no-fault divorce. We've got um, aliens of affection where it's really just an adultery situation. You've got uh, people persuading uh, one parent to leave the family, which stops maintenance and support. So there's that financial component. We also had in this video, you discussed um, someone, uh, you know, uh, causing the mother to abandon her child because of a, a, a relationship, an adulterous affair. Actually, I hate to, I hate to, I'm not candy coating that at all. Um, I hate, I hate when they say an affair, really, it's adultery. <laughs> Let's just start calling it adultery again. We're hurt and, you know, it's wicked and, and evil. Uh, and then someone else's uh, affections were successfully stolen, is what they called it. Again, it should just be adultery. And then, uh, and then defamation was the fifth uh, area. So we've got all these things to to talk about, Larry, about how how people can go into the civil court when they lose, or even if they don't lose, really, right? They can still go to civil court. Sure. Uh, I want to address some of your your um, viewers here. First, I want to shout out to Dave Murray, who when I was here before, I remember that name. I remember he was an active poster. Dave, thanks for coming back. I also want to say hello to a, uh, a co-member of the Parental Alienation Study Group. Uh, she goes by Parental Alienation Survival Coach. Uh, welcome and thanks for joining. And uh, Kimberly, hello. Thanks uh, for your comments. And um, 
I think I did mention to Dave, I don't, I am not a practice, I don't practice, I don't have an active practice. Let me, let me say it like it is. I don't have an active practice in family court. I do take some volunteer cases and whatnot. But, um, and then um, Dave also qualified to, wait a minute, you're saying civil court, let's just, just to um, qualify language here, family court and civil, um, family court and personal, the personal injury system are both in the civil court. And so is, of course, uh, CBS. Uh, hello, Monica, as well. Um, so what I, these, these alternatives to family court is in the personal injury legal system, another civil court, but we can distinguish, Joe, you mentioned, you saw there were criminal, some criminal things, conspiracy, abduction of child. Those are some terms that were used, but everything was in the civil court. The criminal courts usually defer to contempt of court and um, judges in family court too, which is why we won't be talking a lot of we won't be talking a lot about criminal statutes. But um, so I just wanted to jump in and say that um, you're Joe. I'm sorry, I went on a little bit. Can you repeat your question again? Well, I don't remember what the question is, but it was a great answer. So that's all I got to say. And hi, Monica. <laughs> you mentioned something. You said um, I was telling about yeah. Well, well, there was a couple of things that were on my mind at the same time. So, I mean, there's so much uh, content here from this 10-minute video I was really excited to look at. So the thing that I was uh, interested in at first was why isn't some of this stuff in criminal court? That was the, that was the question. Okay, good. Yeah. So let's – a very brief difference between criminal and civil court. Criminal, you have a different standard of um, – a different burden of proof. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. It's usually what I should say when I'm trying to be brief is to say be about 90 to 95% sure of something. Prosecutors, DAs aren't going to prosecute a case unless they're very, very certain they can win. And that's not a lot of times. And a lot of things in family court are gray. In civil court, you have a much lower standard. It's only 51%. Uh, I said civil. Dave, thanks for staying on me here. Um, in the personal injury system, you only have the, the, the preponderance of evidence standard, which is 51%, but you only can get money damages. But what's this custody case about? It's about you want to see your child. So right. that's why this is only to be considered when things really, really go badly. When, right. you're, when your child is damaged and, you, damaged and you, you either sue on behalf of your child for an injury that occurred to him or her or children for that matter, or um, you're suing because you can't see your children anymore, and you're you've lost, you've been defamed, or someone has intentionally inflicted um, injury on you. Uh, criminal court also is remember you're trying to lock people up. But family court, we still don't want to throw in jail parents of people. Another reason why a lot of these issues won't be uh, criminal matters. Yeah, yeah. So my my other question was, how about no-fault divorce, if we just got rid of no-fault divorce, some of these things wouldn't need to be litigated at all. Some of these things would be solved automatically. Um, we can do that. That's a really complicated, you know, if we're going to do some no-fault, Joe, as I mentioned, I would like to have that conversation with you. Um, I don't get deep into this. We can dabble because I don't think, I think divorce is pretty, pretty popular when half marriages end in divorce. So politically, you're going to have a lot of resistance to, to that 
So whether we want to discuss the good or the ideal, to me, that's a good theoretical discussion. But, Joe, something I do at the Law Center, mm-hmm. it's really, although I like taking these scholarly articles, I'm really trying to get people to act on them and see practical use. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have money. Joe, you were a 13-day pro se uh, attorney for yourself, a uh, self-represented mm-hmm. litigant. So to me, I'm trying to give people information that they don't have to pay for. It's free online on my YouTube channel, The Law Center, and also help them reduce legal fees. So um, let's um, let's table that. Well, actually, again, we can go further that into that uh, about you know uh, whether that's an ideal. And the Pope talks a lot about ideals. I'm Catholic, um, and the Pope likes to say what the ideal is a lot. However, pra- uh, a lot of Catholics say, "Wait a minute, this is." This is the world. I, I, I can't always meet these ideals. So I'm, I'm more in dealing with the divorces and custody battles and less. Um, I guess I'm not putting my effort into that. Although, Joe, I would love to hear more about your thoughts on eliminating no-fault well, divorce. No yeah, fault. so, so no-fault divorce, I, I saw that in a couple of these, a couple of these cases where someone, uh, you know, the there was a – in here, I'll just I'll read it for the audience in case people didn't watch the video. And I'll encourage you all to watch this video after after tonight. You'll want to go back and, and 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 maybe even look up some of these cases. Maybe you'll get some ideas about these cases and want to uh, call in or, or be a guest and talk about them. You know, uh, so in North Carolina, in 1999, uh, Mayor versus Cox, a jury awarded a highly publicized one million dollar judgment to a former wife whose husband's affections were successfully stolen by a secretary. Affection successfully stolen, basically, that's adultery. That's all that is. And if you, but it, because of no-fault divorce, you can't hold people accountable for adultery anymore. So, and here's the other interesting thing. You mentioned that more than 50% of the people out there getting divorced, uh, divorce is a popular thing. I would really push back on that because the statistics say that 80% of the people that are brought into court don't want to get divorced. 80% of those of the 80, so 80% of the 50% don't want to get divorced. And I would argue that number would go up significantly higher after they go through family court. Wouldn't you think? Uh, that would lead to that there's more support or maybe it's more popular than um, the statistics would indicate. But as a uh, – Joe, what got me into video was politics So because I was a candidate, three-time candidate. And I can tell you politically from being in the uh, trenches of a committee person, as a committee person – there isn't a lot of support, political support. Oh, I, no, yeah, I'm very, very aware of that. And, and it's and we've done a poor job uh, communicating that through the church, right? So the church has kind of um, ignored that. You know, that, that would be the side that would really care, that would be fighting for marriage. And, I mean, I, I think there's other political pressure that would say, hey, we're glad to see marriage die. So, and it is killing marriage. People aren't getting married anymore. But the the eighty the eighty percent I'm referring to are victims of unilateral divorce, right? They're uh, you know, they say eighty. Also, another eighty percent. Eighty. The reason where I get this from is eighty percent of the time, it's uh, the woman's pushing for the divorce because our because of feminism, our culture is kind of pushing for um, 
you know, sort of the destruction of traditional marriage design. And there's a lot of dissatisfaction, you know, because I think we set expectations uh, that are unrealistic, you know, for ourselves all the time. Uh, a lot of push from, you know, self, self, self-esteem movements and, you know, a lot of this anti- uh, things that are antithetical to traditional biblical marriage. Um well, listen, there, you know, I will say that I think that the woman's perspective would be that a lot of good came from divorces being allowed because a lot of women were trapped in abusive marriages, um, and it, it was something that came with the times, and, um, you know, I can think of a lot of men who also left women and began their second lives and so but i would because when you say well women would say no 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 feminist women would say non-feminist women would push back very hard against that um yeah i don't necessarily want to play devil's advocate here i uh, i'm not choosing to put a value judgment on what on one gender um one gender being more responsible than the others. I, uh, every time I hear a client or friend say something about the other gender, I point out, yeah, there's differences in genders, but boy, let's not pay some play a blame game. You know, it doesn't really go anywhere. No, it's absolutely not gender. It's, it's actually much more political, right? So the feminist movement being on the left and, uh, you know, the non-feminist movement being on the right. So, but the, the feminist, uh, you know, hey, listen, there wasn't a single woman that that actually voted for even women getting the right to vote right (laughs) listen it is a political matter since you brought it up i do want to go on the record and say that the father's rights movement being traditionally conservative and you know male-sided and as you would call liberal feminist movement or maybe an anti-domestic violence movement i don't see us as polar opposites i see us two sides of the same point both these groups are not in opposition. They're actually working together to protect the weak of both genders. But I believe that uh, both groups really want to um, help people in need, but not get into a uh, political dispute. No, wait, yeah, so yeah, so definitely domestic violence. I think not should not be political it is politicized but it's one of those things that both sides try and grab right like oh we're for this more for this but the the i i don't know i mean that's that's something i think saving fatherhood who works with fan pack and you know people are, were, that are working on shared parenting programs we want to come alongside more um more warriors fighting against domestic violence than we have in the past because we need them on our team. Where you know who who's for that? And by the way, um, statistically, domestic violence happens to men equally as much to women. It's just that it's not as dramatic because uh, male size men are stronger and, and can do more damage when they when they do commit the domestic violence when it's physical violence. And then on the and uh, you know. I, I don't want to speak out of school. I don't really know is on the um, non-physical violence. And I, I think it's, it's really not helpful to get into that anyway, because it's such a 
subjective topic. It's very hard. It's like nailing jello through a wall, which is one of my favorite things. So I try to say that whenever I can. But and I think thought it was appropriate just there. So, but hey, if we've got any women that want to talk about uh, domestic violence or their opinion about, um, you know, feminism, is, is feminism a factor in family courts, and and how do you look at that? We're actually going to have a phone number tonight. We're gonna um, we're gonna in a few minutes we're gonna bring uh, Joe Gibson on who is simulcast for a simulcast opportunity. He's running his podcast right now as we speak. And in about six minutes, we're going to bring him on. He's got a phone number for us that I'm going to put down at the bottom of the screen. And you can go ahead and uh, call that number. Uh, I'm just going to create a little banner here and pop this number in. While you're doing that, I'm going to address uh, my uh, my repeat viewer, uh, Dave, who asked, how tough is it to get a jury trial in family court? It's impossible. You can't. You only get a judge because it's called equity court. It's not about money damages. You want something called specific performance order, and juries aren't capable of doing that. So your judge is your finder of facts. Well, it's, you know, you can get uh, tied into some risk of judicial bias when you only have one person, which is why it's good to have a jury of 12 or 8 or even 6 listen to your your dispute of fact which is why the tort uh, a tort claim which are those uh lawsuits to sue for money damage money damages that's when you are permitted to get a jury so that's one of the benefits that this alternative gets you if you feel that you were a victim of judicial bias you can't reverse that type of thing on appeal very hard to prove but it's a way to get the proverbial second bite of the apple. Thank you for your question, Dave. Boy, man, I, I'll tell you what. That is, uh, in my humble opinion, probably the most egregious, uh, wicked thing of the family court is not having juries. Just the worst thing. I mean, anytime that I look at or someone tells me about some sort of bias judgment or missing of evidence or skipping over something it was always it would have always been solved by a jury well if i can address that you were so good as to have me on to discuss five ways that i would reform the judiciary and please note that was one thing i left out and the Mm -hmm. reason why is because just with one first of all it takes a full day to pick a jury yep and it's nine thousand dollars a day it's costing the courts to, for a civil jury trial, whereas the judge, he can give it to you instantly. And even as it stands now, you have to beg for an extended listing for more than an hour. Uh, could be low as 15 minutes to a half hour if you get a hearing. Judges are loath to even give hearings. They want everything worked out. And you have masters doing these things in, uh, in some jurisdictions like Philadelphia. So, uh, Joe, this is, the system can't handle it, even if someone even if it weren't willing to do that right it's not set up for it which is why uh for someone who really feels um aggrieved they can go file a personal injury claim yeah i just i i, I completely understand that. i've heard the same thing from every attorney i've asked uh, I, I i tell every any any of the same thing i just don't think the ends justify the means in this case right so um you know just because we want to have more trials or we want to have more of whatever we want to have uh we cannot 
jump over someone's rights to a jury. I mean, why would we, I mean, the, the things that you are losing in family court access to your kids. I'll I mean, speak for the courts here. So if you want a jury trial, the court says, you want it, you got it. We'll give you, I know you can't see your kids, but we're going to give you relief as in a fast four years, you'll get your case right up. And then you're not seeing your kid during that time. It's and four years already. Right, right. Now it's not a year when you're only getting 15 minutes because the courts are so fast up. And well, they'll tell you they're starved for money because they're not going to add more judges. But so I hear you. But they're backed, they're backed up because, you know, because the one attorney says, well, you know, we scheduled a trip to Paris uh, in in August. We're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just reschedule it till November. Oh, uh, November doesn't work for you. How about December? Oh, that doesn't work for you. Either. Oh, we'll go January. Okay. Look, we just we've got to appease our fellow brethren in you know. It's crazy, dude. See, it just gets extended. So. I appreciate your point. Yeah. So I, I mean, your point. I would love. I mean, I just. Mm. But you know what? The great thing, the mother of invention, uh, what's, the, what's the thing? The mother of invention is necessity, right? So if we force them to do the right thing, they'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe not. Hey, let's go. Let's go to our simulcast. We're going we're gonna to get in on the simulcast piece of the show now. We've got a phone number here, 657-383-0616. It's just going off the screen. I couldn't read it. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Going to invite Mr. Joe Gibson, who's uh, yeah, that is a simulcast. We're looking at ourselves. How about that? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I've got a I've got my studio up, so I I have to look at my studio screen. You guys got to look at yourself. So, but uh, oh. <laughs> thanks for having okay. me, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, yeah, this goes for you guys, supporters too, or your listeners on your side. If they want to call into that number that you have up, I can patch them through so they can talk live on your uh on your guys show here tonight so that goes for anybody that number is good for anybody all they got to do is press the number one after calling in 657-383-0616 and uh you can talk to joe or larry or, or yeah you know, that, would, that would be great we'd love to have it I, i'd especially love to hear someone that, that watched the video uh if you but if you didn't watch the video that's fine too if you just have a general question about how to get your case Uh, you know, what kind of cases can we take out of the family court because there was harm done to you? If you've got an idea or a question about that, let's uh, well, let's I, get those questions going. Well, Joe, I've got a couple in the chat room here, right? actually for Larry. Uh, if you have a permanent custody order in place and the, uh, your, the other party goes and seeks an ex parte temporary restraining order without motioning for a modification – and they are granted that ex parte temporary restraining order, and then what happens to that permanent custody order that you already had in place? Well, the TRO, the temporary restraining order, was uh, ex parte granted most frequently because of danger of violence, of physical violence and safety. So what happens is one party runs in, gets the ex parte because they can't, they don't have time to give notice. It's too emergent. But the T in the TRO means temporary, which means only until a hearing. And you are the more, the, the, the person who filed that is the moving party, has to come forward with evidence. And if they don't carry their burden of proof, you go right back to the 
permanent order, as you called it. Of course, all permanent orders are subject to change in circumstances, but the TRO is still, you, you have to come forward with evidence because it only lasts, as you said, ex parte, it only lasts until you can get the, uh, the respondent a chance to be heard and to defend him or herself. But, but, but this person also states in the comment uh, that there's no case law, at least here in North Carolina, where, yeah, it's supposed to be 10 days you get your hearing. But they can continue it, continue it, continue it. And that can go on for a number. There's only one case here, Rudder versus Rudder, that addresses that the, the ex parte and the uh, protective order uh, statute on the time limits. And it's very confusing, and it's ambiguous. The statute is ambiguous, and it doesn't uh, really clarify how long a protective order really is in effect. And then the ex parte, it, does that override the protective order hearing? Or like, for instance, when they file the ex parte, I think this person trying to say, when they file the ex parte temporary order, they're granted that. And then just say they're granted then another permanent restraining order. When does that begin? When the judge grants it or when the ex parte was issued? Because it's the same restraining order. You see where I'm coming from? Sure. Uh, first, Joe, I haven't had the pleasure. I want you to know it's nice to meet your, at least your computer screen there, even though I can't <laughs> see it face to face. But it's nice to be on with you. Thanks for thank you. Uh, thanks for joining in. It's it's um, nice to be with you. Number one. Number two. Let me let me unpack what you just mentioned. You said first the next parte hearing. So let's say someone uh, gets punched in the face and says, "You do that again, I'll kill you." And the victim, you know, who gets hit in the face, said, "Okay, I'm in danger. I can't keep doing this." And he or she also hits my children. I'm going to file real fast. That's the ex parte hearing. You don't need a judge. There's a court officer who writes it down and, and, and decides to grant or not. Or gives it to a judge, and the judge says, all right, this is enough of a showing. Hearing it, it's supposed to be 10 days or 21 days. Each court has a different amount of time. It's supposed to be quick. Okay. Both sides are supposed to have a fair hearing or the, any type of permanency on that. So, And you are correct. It could, in theory be extended and there's really no hard fast rule except justice which is yeah. a very broad flexible standard so and that's what i think you were addressing it could be it can be pushed back indefinitely which isn't fair to the person who hasn't had a hearing so if they have a hearing because then i think your person in your chat room said and then i had the permanent hearing i don't know what hearing you permanent hearing you met the one for the existing custody order or the one that you're trying to get because of being hit and abused. Well, this is a two. Well, this is a two-part question, actually. Okay. These are two separate individuals. I, I kind of linked them together. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't mean to confuse. Hey, Joe. You. Hey, Joe. <laughs> yes. Joe, can I interrupt for a second? What I'd like to make sure we do, because we're going to have a hard stop at uh, is it is it at 9:20 or no no? It, yes. 9:20 is our hard stop. Absolutely. And and tonight's topic. I mean, because we, we go through family court law cases over and over again. And remember, Larry's not a family court attorney. He's, uh, so we want to we pick his brain about how we get cases out of the family court, you know, so questions about how we get into civil court. So can we try and focus on the oh, questions yeah. from yeah. your callers on, uh, you know, things that are going into civil court, ways to, to get uh, relief, to get um, – uh, you know, financial or, or, you know, we can get back to your kids. 
And um, Joe, even just to clarify, both Joes. <laughs> just say Joe G. Joe G. Joe G. No, number one, Joe G. I did answer your question accurately. I don't have an active family law practice. I do handle family law cases, but I do not take on individual clients. I don't actually think it's cost effective. Joe is uh, Joe G. Is giving. Well, you're both Joe G. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's your right. It's Wormley and Gibson, guys. Forgive me for knowledge. But um, what I try and recommend people do is handle as much of the case as their own case as they can handle on their own and get um, something called a limited scope lawyer to handle the, uh, the rest of what they can. So that you can, traditional family law is really not practical and not affordable to the average person. So uh, I want to help. I set up the Law Center channel to help people with self-represented resources so they can handle a substantial portion of their case themselves, but then only retain a lawyer with narrow parts they can't handle, and they can save 20, uh, 80 cents on the ballot and go for 20% of the cost. So um, I want to help people in a strategic sense not necessarily as a litigator, and I don't know why I seem to be blurring there on everybody. I apologize. For that. <laughs> That's okay. And 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 Larry Larry provides a great service with that because you know we we think we're going to go in we're, what we're just talking about. We think justice is going to come quickly. It is not a quick process ever, unfortunately. And and in the time frame and and while we're trying to get justice, our kids are getting old and we're not seeing them and. That's a common problem. What tool? So. Well, I just got somebody just sent me another message, and and I have international calls that can't get through actually because we're in 21 countries. My show is so uh, Venezuela, uh, oh goodness, uh, South A- South Africa, England. You're not going to help them. Yeah, well, they, they they're but they're messaging me. They can message me in the chat room. And one okay. person said, well, uh, they have a person in the states that's going through a getting ready to go through a uh, divorce. So how what can they do to motion the court or to try to stop before they uh, or convince the other party to not enter into this family court and you know start the long process that you're talking about? Couples counseling, mediation, therapy. I mean, if you're saying someone filed for divorce and you're talking about you said foreign international, I, I really can't address. Um, no, no, no. They have a family. They have a family that's in the uh, Florida. They're in Florida. So her sister's in Florida. They're getting ready to file for divorce, but they want to know. They don't want to be together no more. So what can the they? Family's overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't want to be together no more. So what can they do? What can they do? They, again, the person who is questioning you wants to know how to delay a divorce. Yeah, but no, it's her, this person's in England right now, and her okay. sister is married that lives in uh, Miami, Florida. And, Got you. And, she, and, and you're being questioned about the person from England. What can they do? There's still – one thing I can say is the wheels of justice turn very slowly, um, and this is why Joe uh, uh, Gormley gave the qualification that for the intricate uh, areas of law – uh, hopefully, Joe will have a, uh, an attorney who's handed a lot of those international types of cases. I'll defer to um, other online resources or uh, that. I'm not going to uh, 
I don't feel qualified to answer. Uh, that, 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 yeah. I understand that. Mr. Yeah, hey, Joe Gibson, yeah. my turn to get to bring a. Bring okay, a I just want to let my. Here. I just want to let the listeners know. Press the number one. Just call in that number there that you're seeing at the bottom, and press the number one, and then I can put you and patch you through to these guys. Okay. Oh Good yeah, go. that's real important. If you're sitting in the queue on that phone number we gave out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to press the number one, or he cannot bring you on the call. So, um, but here, while we're waiting for an, uh, an actual caller, I want to bring up uh, a case that's probably your cousin here. It's uh, Gibson versus Gibson, California, <laughs> 1971. Uh, there was a paternal grandmother who provided the father with health and financial support, uh, and then to deprive them plaintiff mother of lawful custody of the two children. So the two kids uh, had were supposed to be in the custody of the mother, but the father did something in conjunction with the grandmother. I'm very interested in this grandmother thing. How can you, because a lot of times you, you, you do, you, you know, this is, and, and this is one of the unbiblical things that you do, you're supposed to yoke yourself to your your new bri- your new bride or your new husband, whatever the case is, and you're supposed to leave and cleave. But that doesn't happen, and you get a lot of interference from a grandparent. How much of that interference can we go all the way back to the wedding? You know, so, let yeah. me let's hold that thought. And um, I just want to take an issue with the phrasing. You know, how can how to get relief outside of the family court. Let me just suggest something to you and all the listeners. I found this video or this presentation by Demosthenes Lorandos about alternatives fascinating for a narrow reason. A lot of people really would say that the, one of the greatest injustices of their lives took place. This is not a place to be steered to. You do not want to sue the parent of your child and I don't recommend you try to get out I recommend first of all that you try and mediate and not litigate and as we all know that's not always possible so if you litigate I recommend that you push your both your you put your both your best foot forward in the effort to protect your child's interests and as well as your rights to parent your child in the event of extreme injustice because of that sole finder of fact doesn't see all the evidence, makes a mistake, is blinded by some type of judicial bias or another error that you can't overturn on appeal for whatever reason, you don't get a fair shake. The video is to present a second chance, some alternatives where you can't change the custody situation so you don't want to be there and the person doesn't necessarily have money but if you're a payor of support you can sue for some type of return you can mention that as part of your damages there's there are there are ways to think out of the box here that not only do we as litigants not think of but most lawyers don't also so a lot of these remedies you should bring up to your family court lawyer because they don't go in that other court room. No, they don't. They don't, but they're lawyers and they understand the concepts that you may or may not present. So if you present to that lawyer damages or whatnot, or the other way I can recommend is there's a lot of lawyers that do both. 
family law and personal injury. That type of lawyer will understand both and will understand how to leverage one against the other if you're in a very expensive divorce or if someone is trying to bleed you financially dry by turning your child against you. That is more how that you that this this uh, the personal injury system can be beneficial as a threat or a deterrent. More a deterrent. I don't want to say threat or suggest that. But I don't think people think of their spouses or their exes, excuse me, their exes as their extended family. So mm. even though I am discussing suing someone else for monetary damages, it is not something you necessarily collect from. And what got me on this whole is Joe just brought up a grandparent. Oftentimes, think of how many relationships are strained and stressed because of people who interrupt them, particularly grandparents or in-laws. Well, sure. When there's this kind of, of, of conflict that, you know, the child usually loses half the side of the family, uh, which is great evidence right there that there's alienation in place. They lose not just uh, a parent, but they lose a grandparent, two grandparents, an aunt, uncles, cousins. So they lose all these different people. And, you know, what I liked uh, that you were just saying, Larry, was about the, this particular perspective of the person you're going to here, I'll give you an example. So here's, yeah, I just had hand surgery, right? You know, I, uh, I go to my hand surgeon with a problem. Guess what he wants to do? Surgery. I go to my hand therapist. What does she suggest? Therapy. I mean, if you're going to go, <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. If you're going to get divorced, I guess, I think the advice that I heard you say was, don't just go to a family law attorney. Talk to some other attorneys if you want to get thinking outside the box. Because that was one of the frustrations I had, and I know a lot of people have. It's like, well, you know, yeah, I know you're losing your kid, but it's the best system we got. What do you mean it's the best system we got? I'm not going to get any access to my kid. That's crazy. So, you know, or whatever else horrible thing happened to you in family court, you know, Um you know, they, they, it's, it's, there's got to be another way, but you, I think you got to be proactive, right? At the beginning. Well, sure, but there's another, there's another thing I want to caution the viewers on at, that when people think personal injury lawyer and suing, here's what ex- caused the personal injury system to explode. Something called insurance mm-hmm. and negligence, the negligence theory. When you're talking about anything in family court, you really only have intentional acts, which are not covered by insurance, and um, there's an exclusion for any of this type of behavior. So the person is going to have to pay out of pocket, and most people don't have the money. Most lawyers will not take that on contingent. Joe, I know you asked this about, you asked me about, I know other people are thinking. So a personal injury case is going to be, might be just as expensive as the family law case, which so you might be handling that pro se, and uh, when I say pro se, I mean self-represented without a lawyer. Or the, you're not going to get back the expense. So you really have to, you have to have the money to be able to afford that unless you can find someone to give you advice. I don't recommend that. But people, often people come to me and say, you'll never guess how much I, I spent six figures, hundreds of thousands of dollars on my family law lawyer. Well, it, so if you have that money to spend and you see it going, 
Or if you want to protect it from happening and you keep all your rods in the different water at the same time, you know, if, you, if you're, if you, if you have, if you're looking at all your resources, you're, 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 you're coming from strength more so. Yeah. I, the, the whole financial piece is just so, so dangerous because, you know, we put a lot of, you know, we, uh, as a person who's gone through the family court and talked to other people, we always say that, you know, when you expose, you're forced to expose all your assets, you know, your, your entire balance sheet, your assets, your, your income, uh, that's all exposed. And everyone knows exactly how much fight you have, whether, whether you're using that or not, you know, that's, that's, I mean, the, the attorney's going to say, well, you really can't afford to fight, you know, uh, but sometimes when you think you can't afford it, you really can't because the, you don't, you don't account for the stress of the, of the process and the number of years that it's going to take. So, yeah, I, I, I hear that loud and clear. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you did mention that in these cases, you, you really, you really either one need to be able to really have a lot of money to, to pay for this or a big payday at the end and you got to borrow some money or you need a strategy to incorporate some expertise with some pro se litigant um, stuff. So one last thing again, and I forgive me for getting a little bit far afield, but you mentioned grandparents. It's not a good idea to sue the child, the, the, the parent, your child's other parents. You're technically supposed to learn to co-parent and the hope is, that emotions die down and you get to co-parenting even though you think you're at war during the breakup. So often a third party makes a good defendant, especially when that third party acted as an antagonist and they had said, you know, I hate you. I don't like you for my spouse, for, for my uh, son or daughter. I'm going to do everything I can to ruin you. And you have that type of statement and you have that type of hatred where your the spouse may have at one time been very fond of you, but you just broke up. Part of it because of stress of the other parent. They also interfere with custody, and that makes it um, and that makes the type of case that is worth at least considering. Well, well, you never should be trying to sue any family members or your children's family members. Right. I tell people, I tell people all the time, you know, especially if you're a Christian, we need to follow the Matthew 18 process that says, you know, first thing you do is you take if your brother sins against you, you take you do him directly. You say, hey, what are you doing? If they if they won't listen, you take another brother or sister so that you have two to three witnesses. Uh, so uh, in case they still don't see it right, then you take it to the church, then you take it to the magistrate, and they, you know so you got to do what you got to do. But we don't we should never let people run over us, or especially not our children. And that's I think everybody that we're dealing with uh, that's what's happening. So yeah, if you have a grandmother like in the one case in, in the in the video where. You know, the, the grandmother keeps the kids from the mom for seven years. Yeah, I guess you, I, I guess you got to sue. I want to add one thing. The videos that are the, the cases that are in the video are taken from recorded, both recorded judgments or opinions, judges' opinions where they issued some type of post-trial ruling because that's what the lawyer could then research in a legal journal and write about, which you don't hear about the many successful settlements that came or someone withdrawing because the threat of suit, ideally you hope can give you the access to your children again in a perfect world. 
So we don't know about all the settlements or the withdrawals or the compromises that came from this type of thing. But it, you know, best case scenario, you don't get money from these. You get what you really want. You get a right. cooperative co-parent. So well, it's the not about money. It's never. It yeah, is, but yeah. But that's the money want. can get you access to your kids, though. A lot of these situations, right? They get. I'm, so, I'm sorry. The threat of financial loss can help you get access to your kids. Ideally. Ideally. The thing is, you never file a personal injury case unless you're prepared to go the limit because then you're really wasting money. But winning isn't really getting the money. Well, no, I totally agree. And and I've seen people who just keep suing and suing and suing, or or they've gotten good at being a pro se litigant, so they can go file motions and attack, attack, attack. Sure. If the kids see you, if the... Hey, if if the kids see you attacking uh, your ex your ex for decades, guess what? You're not gonna have a very good relationship with your kids because they love both of you. You know, they're not so so. A lot of people, you know, so that can happen as well. But on the flip side, if that those uh, if those alienating behaviors from the ex continue, you know, and you need to you need to throw a little force their way, then then this can be helpful. So, you know, it all depends. But uh, Larry, Dave's got a good question here. He's asking if um, DCF or uh, Child uh, Services, uh, I forget what it is in PA, it's DIFUS over here, or it's now DCPMP, if they committed malfeasance, which prejudices your case and interfered with your parenting time, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, Dave's asking, can we get them into civil court? Because this that's what that's Yeah, about. you can. Um especially when your town your county uses a private contractor. Well, actually, only when they use a private contractor. There is some dr- a degree of immunity. Uh or as an agency you may or may not. It, it's worth it's worth looking into. Um you really need it's just something that's really difficult to prove. I, I mean, to the extent that they often, you can have a lot of these agencies be targets of lawsuits. Um, I have not personally handled one of those, but um, and I would have to say it's limited to its fact. The answer is yes. You can potentially do it. I, I um, uh, it, it's, That turns on its facts. Sure. So Dave says he, he's got the facts. So if you got the facts, you got the facts. It all depends on your evidence there. So interesting stuff. Um, well, if one didn't have facts, another thing to prove it. That's a case by case thing. That I would rather. The, the thing is, yes, that is a, a viable cause of action, and it's a, it's a, a potential third party. Yeah. To answer Dave in a um, directly and briefly. So on these types, there were five types of cases. The first one was in, intentional infliction of emotional distress, uh, which is parental alienation, right? So uh, if you can prove, I mean, proving parental alienation is, is really, really, uh, see, it, it, in family court, they don't even want to talk about it. You're warned against using the term parental alienation. But if we go to civil court, if we only need a preponderance of the evidence, 51%, what, what, what does that look like? So it looks the same in both places. The thing is, uh, the, there's, <laughs> it's funny that you ask now because I just finished a video script. I'll be launching it tomorrow. 
called 14 Diagnostic Tools for, um, for or 14 Tools for Diagnosing Parental Alienation. So, and again, we're seeing civil court. It's only a preponderance of the evidence that you have to prove these things. Problem is, you often need an expert that it's such a, as you just said, formal. Mm. The, the, um, it's, it's almost a taboo word. And the reason is because of misinformation, not because of any lack of scientific proof. The, ev- the science on parental alienation is rock solid. You and think? Scripture, absolutely. No, I don't think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But this is why I've been, that's why I've done 20, 20 some videos on the topic. I don't think it's rock solid at all, but I, I, I appreciate it. I, well, I, I think it's because I think that what I think they, they call it, they try to make it a, a disease or something you can catch as opposed to it's just a bunch of sin issues. It's, it's someone purposely uh, attacking another person through, uh, through someone who's, who, through their child, using the child as a weapon. Sure, and you know, there's a term for it, dom- domestic violence. Yeah. By proxy, because the point of the, let's call it the alienating parent, the reason why they do it is to cause harm to the targeted parent. So, as you were saying, there's domestic violence on both sides. Mm. For a man, a middle linebacker who's married to someone five foot one and 100 pounds, his right. strength is his physical size. Right. Your strength might be the fact that she has the most time with the children, more access, and therefore can turn the child and, and hurt him in a different way than, than bruises because he's physically strong. So the sci- it actually, not only does it cause trauma to the targeted parent, but it causes more pain to the children. So Well, my second wife's a contractor, and she can arm wrestle most guys I know down so i'm not messing with her but um exception not the rule but i'm great i'm grateful she's in her bible every day so i don't have to worry about that i I get your point but um (laughs) so that the science is solid and without you know just looking at the time without getting into depth and i can return if you want to get back into this more detail but i've got 20 20 videos dispelling the disinformation that the, the science isn't rock solid there's there are volumes and volumes of, of textbooks describing, you know, the 14 diagnostic tools and models and how you distinguish an alienated yep. child from an yep. estranged child and the different levels and what they cause, what they cause in the parental uh, child dynamic. Yeah, I, I think that might be a great, I, I can't wait to see that video. Maybe that's a good one to, to bring in some other people like Monica, who was in here earlier, the Parental alienation survival coach. Maybe we can get a group chat going on that because, yeah, I'm just so, I'm just not even a good person to talk about that stuff because I'm so anti psychology. And these guys, when they come up with these theories, um, you know, the way they apply them. And that when you get to court, too, here's the thing with the court, if in family court, if you know your client is a, an alienator, you're not letting a, a parental alienation expert on the other side. And it seems to me that they all, they have the two attorneys have to agree and the, and the judge could care less what kind of expert you've got as long as it says forensic somebody. 
the moving party gets to present their case, and after the moving party goes, the responding party gets to present their case. You don't agree on experts. What about the uh, heart bomb laws? I know many, a lot of states don't have them anymore, but some states still do heart bomb laws. I mean, how would that uh, apply here? Because someone asked a question about that. Uh, define it. When you say heart bomb, what do you mean? Uh, well, what, what, what exactly, how do the heart bomb laws apply? Are they the same as the alien? I don't know what they are. I'm not going okay. to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah I, I might be a state. That, that might be a state, I, I, a, a, a term that, that, or what is heart bomb? Yeah, I, yeah, they're not replying to me, but yeah, I, I looked them up, and actually, there's three states that still have heart bomb laws. I guess it's uh, kind of like uh, the um, alienation Wait. of affection laws. That, that's right. pretty much heart it. bomb, meaning bomb someone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Okay, but I, I know the laws. I don't know necessarily how. So, what about them? Um, I mean, they're they're covered in the video. It, it's as you can see, three states. They used to be there, but almost every state with those three abolished it. It, it means that if you had a marriage and someone, you know, seduced or uh, alienated the other's affections, you used to have a cause of action. And there's a popular case in 1999 where there was a million-dollar judgment. But, I mean, just because of it's such a minority jurisdiction, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But the video also talks about not suing as the as the um, as the spouse, but suit the children because you just lost a parent. Right. Yeah, you know true. that's yeah. uh, that's uh, no one knows really. It's, it's really hard. Juries don't want to know what's happening in and outside the bedroom. Relationships don't work. But wait a minute. If you had something to do with pulling a spouse away from a family, and now you don't let that man, you're too jealous of that man or woman seeing their own child because you want a new family. Right. The juries can be a little bit more sympathetic to children than a uh, a uh, scorned lover or scorned spouse who hasn't moved on yet. So that's what that's you know in those three states, that's what I would consider pursuing, not trying to replicate that 1999 million dollar judgment. Correct. Case. Yeah, yeah. So you see that judgment, and they're like, oh, you know, well, let me try this, and that, and it's not. I wouldn't recommend it, like you said. Quick comment on burden of proof. Um, Drew mentioned 50%. It's not 50%. It's 51%. And where they get that is you have to tip the scale of justice ever so slight. And a lot of plaintiff lawyers will say, this is all I have to do, 1%. And then my clients allow the money uh, 100% award. Mm. So that's something civil lawyers always say, and that's where we get uh, yeah. not 50, but 51%. 50% is no judgment. You didn't, you didn't meet. You're not more likely. You're, you're, you have not carried a burden. You have the burden to present more evidence, more persuasive evidence than the other side. That's where we get it. And I'd be interested about those heart bomb laws to see if they were written it to make up for the for the what no fault divorce did to your inability to uh, can, uh, you know be made whole because of adultery or was it did were they written a long time ago and adultery was considered so egregious that not only were you going to be shackled in the family court, but then we're going to take it to the civil court as well because they wanted to make it as egregious as possible and there to be a significant punishment. Uh, written so many hundreds of years ago and okay. basically abolished now and they're really not. Correct. They're only on the books in three places, which is 
I, I deliberately said only in three places because I didn't want to make that an issue. I just wanted you to know, I wanted people to know that lawyers have been really c- creative when, it's, when, it, when a parent has lost in family court, that there was the second bite of the apple that oftentimes aren't even considered. But online or in my law practice, pe- parents come to me so desperate that I yeah. thought I would do this video to show that when yeah. you take out the box, you could have used this in, yeah. um, as another uh, you know, hidden gun or you know, give warnings about this. Or you know, if you get before a statute of limitations, which is mostly two years, in some states it's three, it, uh, it may be one in some. But the point is, within two years of this injury, you have to file suit to be able to pursue this. Well, if we got, if we took adultery and abandonment seriously, we'd have plenty of uh, room for juries <laughs> in family court for when they're necessary. Hey, Monica's got a question though. She says, uh, even if parental alienation is provable, does the court care at all? She says, I only know of a rare few cases where a judge recognized it and ruled against the alienator, and she's seen a lot of cases. Okay, so so let me let me say this to Monica. Uh, was there a Monica and is is Monica Giglio and yes. our divorce, our parental alienation survival coach the same person? They are. Great. Okay, so I'll say this. Uh, the parental alienation study group will teach that you need an expert, a lawyer, a family law lawyer will also tell you that you need an expert to prove parental alienation. Um, one thing that we're working with the PASG, parental alienation study group, is prevention. And one way to prevent is to move quicker on when you start to see it, file. And in Pennsylvania, one of our custody factors, I actually have a video on this 16, 17 factors, is uh, what parent is more likely to encourage a healthy, positive relationship with the opposite parent. And that is written into the statute as a standard for who gets custody. Is that in Pennsylvania? That's in Pennsylvania. And like I said, I'm not here to do a, uh, uh, to do a comparison by jurisdiction. And I appreciate what Monica is saying right there. But my point is there's other ways of proving parental alienation than just um, find, having an expert. You can say, I do everything I can to encourage my children to have a, uh, a good relationship with my ex. But let me tell you what, the, what, what I see, what the children are telling me, or what I've observed, or my text messages, or what, uh, you know, the voicemail messages, or however you can prove it. And um, of the next video that I'll be posting tomorrow, there's, there's three very powerful diagnostic tools. Mm. And where it's one primary and two subset within the first. It's the five-factor model of parental alienation, the eight behavioral factors of uh, eight behaviors of alienated children in contrast to abused children. They do not act the same way. There, you can distinguish by knowing what the symptoms in the children are. And third, there are 17 alienating strategies that um, alienating parents use to turn the kids against the targeted parent. So these three together, if you present that evidence, even if you're self-represented, and then point, and point to case law where these factors were used, then you can 
look, you can you won't be able to necessarily get a finding of quote unquote parental alienation, but you'll get powerful support for the argument that you're the better parent to encourage a relationship with the opposite parent because otherwise the kids are likely to lose a parent because the well is being poisoned against you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, do, do, do judges in your evaluation with your group that you're talking about, the parental alienation, um, what's it called again? The parental what? Parental alienation study group, PASG. PASG. Uh, do they think that you should even use the term parental alienation? Because uh, that's just something that we, we hear all the time. Don't say parental alienation in court because as soon as you say that, then they attach the word syndrome to it and they go to Gardner and now it's a crackpot thing. Uh, so the best way for me to answer that is that I have a video that I did against the misinformation campaign or a study uh, by the domestic violence lobby that tried to suggest that parental alienation is only used by abusers to win in court. Right. So you are correct. There was a misinformation campaign and a very effective, heavily funded one yeah. that tried to make the use of the word taboo. But the science is as strong as proving post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm. It's solid. The evidence is solid. But what you have is a highly funded lobby against it. And the scientists are busy learning rather than fighting a public relations campaign, which is where I felt there was an opportunity for me to take these studies and try and share them uh, to the public at large in simple, entertaining, straightforward uh, language and, and through a video medium. So I ask anyone to go to my PA, my parental alienation study list on the Law, Law Center YouTube channel. The videos are short, they're fun, they're uh, informative, and please uh, share them, especially if you've been a, a victim and you find uh, this information helpful. They really are great. They really are great. So, um, so even to further your question, I apologize uh, warmly. You said, should we go in and argue? First of all, yes, you should always argue your case, mm -hmm. but you should know who you're speaking to. If you, if, and this is why it is important to have at least a consult with a local lawyer who's familiar with the judges in your jurisdiction as to how this judge wants you to use the language. Because, but you know, whether you want to change the wording, you have to make the argument. Otherwise, how is she going to protect your relationship with your children without arguing the evidence and the scientific research? Absolutely. There's Dave again. Dave, Dave says, how successful is applying the American rule in family court where each side pays their own attorney's fees? I'm not really clear on what you're saying there. Well, again, he put, quote, he quote American rule, but he wants to know about, about you know, attorney's fees. And this is one, uh, Dave, thanks again for the question, but I'm going to defer to um, a more experienced lawyer who can go over 200, 300 cases and survey a 30-year family law legal career and say, in my jurisdiction, this is what I see. I don't have that. I can only go through word of mouth, and um, I'd rather just stick to my uh, 
my area of expertise. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at one of these other categories because we had five categories that we were talking about. Uh, one of the so we're running out of time too. We got a hard stop at nine twenty for Larry. I'd like to talk about defamation. What is defamation? What when can we use that as a strategy to help us win a family court case outside of the family court? Defamation is just like really, it's like intentional infliction of emotional distress. I would say that intentional infliction of emotional distress and defamation are always the two tools in your toolkit. Because what defamation is is a false statement. Hey, parents, no good. Your other, my co, the co-parent, no good. I'm the one who's all for you. The other parent, no, nothing but bad. Let me tell you all the lousy things about this parent. All right. How about perjury? Does perjury count? Say there's perjury committed well, in look, the family. Element court. one of defamation is a false statement. So when you say perjury, that's right. a false statement. You're not suing for perjury. You're suing for defamation of false statement element two that you publicize you say it in court you say it outside of court with the petition you say it to neighbors you say it to the child because that relationship is destroyed so you, you know you say it to the child and uh you did it intentionally and it caused harm it caused damages now defense is if the stuff is true then right. um that is a defense to um defamation, not intentional infliction of emotional distress. If you're giving a child bad information, it's none of a child's business. Right. Because it's uh, you know, your 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 parents embezzled. Therefore is no good. Well that has nothing to do. That's an that, look without getting into hypotheticals, the point is if you've been alienated, those are the two because it, if something is false and it's communicated to a third party and believed, and it's done intentionally and deliberately, and it causes you harm in meaning the loss of the relationship. Even well, the common, complaint, the common complaint in family law is always, hey, they don't care about perjury. In fact, they expect it, right? So they, they don't, it's, it, it's, it's a waste of time to go and try and get someone to enforce it criminally Let's break it down. Why? Because what's important is not that you just accept this type of statement, but you know why it's being said to you. Because a district attorney, first of all, every other family, they, you hear, oh, people always lie in family court. Half of the marriages are breaking up. How is a district attorney going to be able to handle all those perjury cases, number one? So you have a, you have a problem with the practical matter. Number two, how are you going to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt? Well, often it's just a credibility determination that – you know, if the person was credible enough for the judge to believe it, then how is a DA going to believe it, a cop going to believe it, a jury going to believe it, when you've already uh, persuaded one person? So mm-hmm. the civil suit is, in the defamation case, now you can sue for money. And this is what we're talking about. What you can't do, what the criminal court can't do for you, often the civil court, personal injury court can. And that's where I want your brain, you, you know, the, your mind and your imagination to go. Mm-hmm. When, when, when a lie that you could not prove at the time. And maybe you get evidence later. Maybe you do. Maybe someone maybe someone comes out and laughs in public. Ha, 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 my lie won. Well, guess what? Yeah, you did win that one, but I just heard you because you said that in front of my whole family and we're all going to testify against you. So these are the fact patterns you want to keep your eye out for, and that's how these can be used. You don't want to be here. If you're here, you've already lost because money isn't going to help. 
Right. You know, you really already, you know, suffered your back, awful damages. But this is the way to get something back. Yeah. That's what I want you to do. What, how, how critical is it? Um, so you, you mentioned that fourth part, the, the harm that's caused to the person or entity. What, how do you tie the perjury uh, or the defamation to the loss? Sure. Um, yeah. well, how do you do think that? Think about it. Think of, you know, I'll have to say that goes to the strategies. If you watch my video, 17 strategies of the alienating parent. Mm-hmm. Those 17 alienated strategies is the brainwashing, is the lying, is the mm-hmm. false allegations, is the campaign of denigration, is, is you know, poisoning the well, you know, what, what Dr. Richard Warshak calls divorce poison. Mm-hmm. You know, really what it is, it's lies. Or, he, you know, if someone says, he hit me, she raped me, the, mm-hmm. the, all the different lies, you know, don't trust that person, that person's dangerous, he or she awful thing did to me. Well, right. if it's not true, then the child believes it. Next thing you know, the child wants to come home and doesn't want to go see during the parenting time. Hmm. That's, that's, well, you know, I want to go back to the grandparent thing. <laughs> so sure. what, uh, what, what responsibility does um, uh, a grandparent, an aunt, uh, an uncle, a cousin, what responsibility do they have as far as participating in that defamation? And in one of these suits, I saw there was a conspiracy added to the lawsuit. So, I mean, look at, look at someone who's ill-intended, who's got a child and marries the person that they never hoped the child would marry. You know, every parent's nightmare, whatever that may be, if it's someone is too poor, not ambitious enough, not attractive enough, the wrong race, the wrong religion, the wrong ethnicity, the, the whatever, not crude, I mean, not crude enough or, or too snobby, whatever it is, and there's true love, but the parent destroys the relationship and then wants to enjoy the rela- destroy the relationship from child to, uh, to other parent because the grandparent is a control freak and wants to, and only can think of their own needs. I mean, that's a good target, that's a good defendant. So what is the response? That's that's where um, a grandparent becomes a target to such a point. Hey, so we got about three minutes before we got a hard stop. Joe Gibson, do you have any questions down there from North Carolina for Mr. Larry DeMarco? Uh, he pretty much covered everything there uh, that that he that you threw at him and I threw at him. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate his time. But just uh, tell everybody how I mean what what you offer and and exactly how they can find you and what services you offer or how you can help them. That's what main questions I'm getting right now. Sure, my YouTube channel is. The Law Center, and there are other law centers. My last name, of course, is DeMarco. So if you type in DeMarco, the Law Center, I hope it'll just come up first with the Law Center. If something called the Disability Law Center comes up, because you have a big one in your jurisdiction, uh, just type in my last name as well. Uh, on my internet site is thelawcenter.net, not .com, N-E-T, thelawcenter.net, and um, on my YouTube channel, what I have is free resources. I am there because I have put up these videos because I have spent my legal career just giving free advice to my personal injury clients about family law because they couldn't 
because they, they don't have the ability to or the resources to pay someone for a 13-day trial or a long thing, and I just had to limit my practice to, to, to what I could. So I gave a lot of free advice, and this was my way of being time efficient. I got so many people asking me questions. I said, hey, I just did a video library. So I helped, and this is also from me going to court and seeing how grossly inefficient the system is. And if people can do some things on their own, you can save 50 to 80% of your costs. If you put a day a week or a morning a week, a Saturday morning, doing some research, gathering some evidence, you can really, really cut down your uh, family law uh, legal fees by watching the self-help resources, the self-represented resource that I put up on my channel for people. And um, my email is glawrence.demarco at gmail.com. You can also find it on thelawcenter.net, the way to reach me. One, one, per, one person did say we can uh, really basically put you out of business if we save our marriages and stop getting divorced. And, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I have – that wouldn't put me out of business. I put up free resources. <laughs> people will just stop watching my videos, and I'll do other videos instead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be a feather in your cap, Larry, to help some people to, to, to get through that. Because, yeah, I, I mean, that's basically what I had to do. I spent $100,000 in motions and – things up to my trial than the 13-day trial. I could have kept paying my attorney, but I had to save money for psychologists. So I was hoping for these very expensive psychology things to happen. Yeah, yeah. Dave just asked me a great question. Um, What I would reform is my own profession. Right now we have something called traditional legal services where your retainer's got to be somewhere 10 to 15, 20 grand to handle Mm -hmm. a whole case. But what I would want is every one of my colleagues to say, you don't have to drop a $20,000 retainer, $10,000 retainer. If you tell me what you want to do, I will give you a menu. You pick what you can't do. Mm. And the other time, what I will do is I will coach you do what you can't, and you absolve me of any professional responsibility because you're making the decisions. But one thing that you will do is you'll get through affordable. That's what I would reform. I would reform my own profession, and I would uh, end when we also need the judges to allow it. Because what happens is, in my defense to all my lawyer friends who do family law court, judges keep them in so they can't always do it. And they would do it more often if the judges were on board. So it has to be not just uh, the lawyers, it's the judges, and it's the lawmakers. Well, that's where you got to. I got, well, that's actually where I got to. I had a couple questions, but I didn't want to bring them on to confuse the issue. But that's where you get to the, the question of the jour and de facto. You know, and, uh, the, you know, the judges, is, is, uh, most all judges are de facto uh, officers of, of a de facto court that's not a common law court and uh, a lot of scholars and constitutional lawyers uh, are addressing that in the country around the country today so I just wanted to bring that up because a couple a couple people said that earlier I just didn't want to bring that up earlier to you know take away from the conversation all right well Larry we really appreciate you coming on and it's uh, two minutes past the lockdown fine. hard time that we had it's to do good. it I'll probably, I'm going to probably thank you for coming. I'll probably spend a few more minutes just with Joe Gibson and, on, and, and his callers on here. But we're really grateful for you yeah, thank coming you. out here thank tonight. You. Nice talking to you. Thank you. You too. I hope to see you guys again. And, uh, Joe, anytime, I'd love to be on again. All right. No, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to watch your new video tomorrow, and I'll probably want you on right away. Uh, I'd love it. Thanks, Thanks, Larry. All right, guys. Take Good care. Guy. Good guy. Bye-bye. Good guy. All right. 
All right, Joe. Well, uh, 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 he's very knowledgeable, and uh, you know, and uh, he's a he's a uh, you know. I didn't want to bring in those other. I, you see, I have a different platform. We I talk a lot about the law and constitutional law, so I kind of threw my listeners for a a, a loop here tonight. You know, we, usually I don't bring you know lawyers on my podcast because you know they're kind of against the bar association. So, but. Uh, but it, but they, they, you know we'll warm up to the idea and and you're about saving fatherhood and and uh, the the family court and trying to avoid going to family court that's what that's what we would try really to do right Joe absolutely but you know constitution yeah and, and Larry I'm, I'm I don't think uh, I would agree with everything with Larry uh, definitely don't I mean we're actually very opposite politically but he's such a great guy with such a heart for oh, yeah. people and to help. And, and it's really not his core business, you know. His, it's not not his business, but he's he's he's, you know, I'm sure he's he's done well for himself and in, in uh, you know personal injury, and like you said, he's got a heart for his clients. Uh, to, 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 to see the things that are going on in the family court, we need more Larrys out there that are willing to jump in and just help out and um, try and make our our whole legal system more just because we don't have a justice system because you know and, and your guys your people want to talk about the constitution they don't follow the constitution in the family court that's one of the biggest problems when we talk about juries we're supposed to have juries for any conflict that's worth more than 29 dollars is it what is it 17 29 dollars i forget how much it is i know it's about 600 dollars in modern uh diluted dollars uh you know printed out dollars pre-covid of course yeah but um you know hey dave murray didn't get it we didn't get this question on but i'd love to talk about it so larry if you could reform one thing in family court what would it be can't say 50 50 though uh i'll ask you that question joe gibson what's the one thing you would reform in family court well i don't think i'd reform anything in family court i believe that we have they're all de facto courts they're unconstitutional um they're administrative courts and therefore the judge the judges are uh, uh, you know they're they, it's it, again you have to go back and you have to understand the difference between de jure and de facto and when you understand that you understand the four factors on how you can challenge a de facto and and a lot of states now are giving standing to this uh and look it up Look it up. I mean, it, it's there. Although many universities are addressing it now, constitutional scholars, uh, they're 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 they're. You just can't receive any type of fair or equitable uh, resolution to to uh, to your problems in, in a family court, Joe. You know that because they're so one-sided. So can you reform it to where that it's fair and ha- apply the scales of justice? No. 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 Well, no. I mean, you know, look, you, you could, you could, absolutely. If, but here's the thing: if we followed our own our own laws, which we don't do, let's get your constitutional scholars on the line. Uh, if we followed our own laws, the family court would not exist. That's correct. It would not exist. Yeah. We'd have civil courts, and we'd have criminal courts. Uh, an honest interpretation of the Constitution says they gen- they made that document very short it can be read in 27 minutes uh, they knew about chancery courts they knew about courts of equity they purposely left them out right yeah and correct they would have addressed them but they purposely left 
things out. There was no reason for him. The civil court or the criminal court, depending on the family crisis that is being handled, needs to go to those two courts. But Joe, but Joe, to restore that and abolish this stuff, you only need five thousand people in each state, and 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 really, it's not that hard to figure out. And then you get back to the corporation of the United of the United States. Everything the municipalities; these are municipalities ran uh, courthouses, and people have to understand this. They don't understand well, this. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're saying, but I, I I would I would I think the power lies in the local magistrate. The power lies in the local sheriff. If the local sheriff was educated on constitutional law and said, "I'm not going to allow an unconstitutional." body to exist in my district that's right that's correct i think we get rid of it just like those brave sheriffs did down in virginia was that uh, a couple years ago with the second amendment with the red flag laws yeah i was there yeah that was phenomenal that's phenomenal that's the kind of i was actually there joe with a couple of the guys that actually got arrested for this (laughs) they were the ones that got snatched up in the michigan uh, plot there but uh, hopefully those guys will be released. They were set up by the FBI. But yeah, um, yeah, the red flag laws. We were there. I I was a big one in that movement there. My show, my podcast show, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the only way to go. It's a, it's a, it. I mean, I'm all for working on legislation, uh, trying to get it passed, um, but. In the process of that, of that, of that, those efforts, we just need to make people aware of the atrocities that are going on in the family court. And you know, a lot of people think that well, it's just there's just not that many people that are affected. A lot of people that are affected just want to run away and hide because you know the things that they've been accused of. Maybe sometimes they're guilty, but there's just no. There's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness in America. You're, you're right. You're right. Well, we have no spiritual backbone anymore. You know, we don't understand our history. We don't get our history. Look up the word rump from the American history, American Heritage Dictionary. Look that up, the word rump, and go to 1868 and read the Senate floor documents. It's there. It's there for your reading. And you'll see where we've lost our way. And that was the beginning of us losing our way here in America and the, the incorporation, incorporating America. And that's what it's all about, business, money, and the transfer of wealth and the Federal Reserve. And, the, you know, you can go right through the stages of history. And look where we're at right now, Joe. We're talking about the destruction of the family unit in America, the, the core, the heart. The, this is what holds the nucleus of America together, the family. And if we don't have family, we have nothing. Well, I love talking to you, Joe, because we we don't uh, we shoot straight when we talk about our need for King Jesus to come back, and and Amen. it's just a matter of it's just it's the bottom line. You know, we're we're a post Christian society. We're only producing one point six children per female. That is about. One child too few in order to maintain our existing population. If it wasn't for immigrants, we wouldn't have enough people to to to, to do anything in yeah. this country. Yeah, that's correct. It's the melting pot that they call it the great melting pot, and it sure. But so what happens? Know. Why are people not having kids? Uh, marriage, marriage is hideous. Yeah. Divorce courts, the wickedness that goes in there, the 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 impact on the children, the alienated children. 
Um, entertainment, Joe. We're, we're entertained people. We always got to be busy. We always got to be entertained, enthusiastic about our life. And any type of silent moment or, or where, which we should be spending with the Lord, we're looking at ourselves and wanting to say, what about me? It's always about me. I look at society, iPhone, PC, personal computer. You know, uh, Amazon, the bite of the, you know, the bite of the Apple, excuse me, Apple iPhone, you bite of the Apple Eve. You know, everything, you know, symbols mean a lot. And we live in a symbolic society that reflects, we idol worshipers. And uh, we don't, we don't look to the Father. We don't look to God. I am with you, brother. That's it. That's the bottom line, man. So it looks like, uh, it looks like it's time to wrap up this side of the show joe are you guys uh are you guys still gonna talk to yeah us on i'm your... gonna continue on my podcast joe i'm on for about another 45 minutes so i'm gonna continue on with mine and uh well, man if you want to come over and just talk if you can or your list or people you have on your side they can call in and join in the conversation man hey you you could be anonymous you know block your call I, you know whatever you want to do but uh yeah join the conversation yeah. it's important talk and these are the things we have to do we have to converse Absolutely. and uplift yeah each you can other. call in at 657-383-0616 that's right right there on the stream there right on the bottom there it goes <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of hits on this show i, I assure you that but uh you know <laughs> well I, I thought it was a good show i thought it was great and uh you know if anyone wants the notes the show notes that uh, we can get those out to you too these case uh, case law studies. Anybody wants to do a little research, you know, I'm I have a, a section on my on my court that, that uh, I mean I'm sorry on my website savingfatherhood.org where I'm asking for volunteers. One of the things I need is a research volunteer. There's a lot of information, I'd like the a lot of things I'd like to say that I don't have good evidence for. I've heard this or heard that. I need researchers. Joe, I I put you in con. I did put you in contact with a, a resource actually of a lot of good information. And but if you want to talk about it more, you can come over to my podcast. And people need to understand our history. They need to understand it. Our, the the true knowledge of what's out there. We live in an information war, and it's disinformation out there. You know. So you're right. Research. Monica just mentioned something about the population reduction, which is very true. You know, a lot of this same sex stuff. Um, you know, people put off marriage, too, for so long when they do get married. I, I didn't get married until I was 30, you know. Um, what did they do, Joe? I was what encouraged. Did they do? I wasn't a Christian yet. I, I wasn't a Christian until I was 35. What was popular, and Joe? I, what was popular when we were when you and I were teenagers? Soap operas. What did the mom do when she was at home while dad was at work? Watch soap operas. And what did soap operas promote? This one's sleeping with this one. Bestiality, you know, and, and that has been passed on to their daughters. And now the next generation, and now we have like what Monica was just saying, you know, we have this this this, this no repopulating uh, narrative out there. There's no love. There's no family core. And there's no unit. I, I don't know if they're promoting bestiality on on. Oh, uh, Barbie, but Barbie, Barbie. I will tell you what. I'll tell you what. That's exactly what that plus stands for in the LGBTQ plus. Yeah. Don't forget the plus. Yeah. It's all the things that they haven't conditioned you to accept yet. Oh, yeah. Right? That's and right. there's more things that, you know, they haven't conditioned you to accept that I don't even want to get into. But because um, I can't accept them. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that there's, there's a lot of problems, a lot of dysfunction, you know, when it comes to marriage and, and things like that. It's just, you know, we got to keep telling people to go back to Christ, man. Yeah. Turn people away from the family court, turn, turn them towards Christ. Yeah, we don't know how to communi- communicate, Joe. You go out to you go out to any restaurant. What are the people doing at the table? They're staring at their phones, you know, instead of yeah. looking at each other. Yeah, 
Hey, you know what? I, I want to share something while we're on here and, and while Monica's on here. Hey, Monica, the other the other day, Monica and I were on a uh, broadcast together, and um, oops, I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna put this over here. I'm gonna share my screen on my website. Uh, I've got uh, a section now with books, so I'm recommending different books that I think are helpful for people. Uh, in the family court or, um, you know, if they're new to Christianity, because again, it's all about Jesus, dude. It's, it's, if we're not going to, God is not going to bless a nation that is running away from God's principles is from his laws, from his blessings, from his forgiveness, from his, uh, grace. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So anyway, I've got all these categories on here, apologetics, Bible stories, Bibles, biblical counseling, and I've got child support, ch- uh, uh, church history, critiques of family, critiques of psychology, grief and loss. A lot of these things aren't highlighted because I don't have anything on there, but I've got a whole section for parental alienation survival coach. I only got, I got three of her books up there. So go check that out and let's see if it actually didn't even give me the right link. That's the wrong link. <laughs> Monica, I messed you up. That's the wrong link. That's the new to Christianity. But uh, Saving Fatherhood does get 0 to 10% of all the uh, books you buy. So if you're going to buy a book, go to Saving Fatherhood um, through Amazon. Well, we're not a 501c3 on purpose. So um, Amen. We, we do... Uh, uh, we do sell some things for fundraising, and uh, Joe, let me, you know what, I'm going to share my fundraising, why I fundraise, why I want to fundraise, right? So I want to go out, and uh, I can't see you anymore, Joe. Where'd you go? I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, I, there you I, are. I, I want to look at your screen. So anyway, I want to do fundraising to promote and fund tents to go out to different um, events. And talk to people. We got to be on the street, man. Street fairs, uh, vegetable stands. You know, uh, you know the uh, the farmers market in your town that uh, you comes in a on great Saturday point. morning. That's a great point, Joe. Because let me tell you something. What do you see when you're standing at line in line at the grocery store? People Magazine, The Inquirer, crap. You see garbage. So you know we got to do the same thing they do. The devil does. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we got to do, man. We got to get out there. Got to get out and um, just talk to people. Tell them the problems, the the wickedness, and the things that they don't see because it's hidden from them. You know, um, they want they want to encourage godlessness. They want to encourage um, promiscuity before marriage so that uh, your marriage um, doesn't work the way God designed it to work. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, we got to get out there, get out in the streets. So that's what we're trying to do. I want to buy tents for people. <laughs> I want to send them out. I want volunteers to, to get out there and uh, talk to folks. I've gone out to um, these just, just vegetables, uh, produce stands, farmer's markets, uh, different kind of tents. So you can go talk to people and, we've gotten engaged in different conversations. And when this stuff comes up, maybe it's a t-shirt I'm wearing or whatever it is. I, I, it's, it's either one thing or the other. People are just aghast at what I tell them. They've never heard of it or they were, they've gone through it. They've been destroyed by it and we end up praying together. And so it's an awesome time of ministry to get to, you know, converse with somebody who's been hurt by the family court and, and, doesn't know why God allowed that to happen, right? And so 
great ministry opportunities we've got in front of us. But, Joe, that's it for me. That's it for Saving Father tonight. We are going to sign off. And, uh, Joe, I love the simulcast idea. It was a great idea. Um, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yes, sir. That's, that's the plan. That is the plan. All right, y'all. Yeah. I'm going to sign me out, and I'll be over at my podcast, do a quick commercial, and then I'll talk to my followers. God bless. Talk to you Take soon. Bye for now. Saving Father is about fathers, mothers, and children. The Saving Fatherhood podcast addresses the current... All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here on the Sunday Times, which you live today. All right, let's have a quick commercial here, and uh, we'll I'll be right back. All you ever hear about in this country is our differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about, the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. Fairly simple thing happens to work. You know anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything you can do, keep us fighting with each other. No weapons of mass destruction were found. Are you kidding me? Do you buy that? There were, there were, there were. Nyeh, 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 nyeh. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white. Come on, let us shoot. Blair. Hey, uh, I need to get the rats, the brass to drop rats. I got a wounded girl. We need to take the rest of mine. Oh, it's their fault for bringing their kids to a battle. That's right. The main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't, but he had the capacity to make weapons of mass destruction. But I also talked about the human suffering in Iraq. Hello, boys and girls. I have a special message for you from the President of the United States. I salute the boys and girls who are buying United States savings stamps and bonds, and they're giving important support to the cause of freedom and the men who fight for us in Vietnam. Congress gave us this authority in August 1964 to do whatever may be necessary. That's pretty far-reaching. That's the sky's the limit. As an American citizen, you have to respect our president, whether I like it or not. It's really my, not my decision, but I do respect my president, and I will support whatever decision he makes. Music played on people's side. Just for me, the church bells rang. It is a hard fact that U.S. strikes have resulted in civilian casualties. Till this day, sometimes I cry. He didn't even say goodbye. He didn't take the time to lie. The United States knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. One of the first things they told me was, you're not even to acknowledge the drone program. You're not even to discuss that it exists. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. That re-
period. End of story. Now you take it from there. It's up to you. <laughs> 